So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes actually UFC this time. This week, we give you the best of the XFL in its first week in action, the NBA All-Star Selection with LeBron and Giannis being the two captains, Zion Williamson's update after eight games in action. Russell Westbrook breaking records that only two other all-time greats have achieved so far, along with the UFC fight between John Jones and Dominic Reyes. And then we also had the great big NBA trade deadline. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the hosts. My name is Alex and Muhammad. Say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening and keep listening. And also make sure you subscribe to our other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, definitely press that subscribe button and, of course, let other people know about the podcast. But today we begin with the NBA All-Star selection between LeBron and Giannis. Now, the All-Star game will be aired Sunday, February 16th at 8 p.m. And it's based in Chicago this year. And there is always, well, there's now a different way that players are on teams. It's no longer just Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference. You have two captains, and they choose from the whole lot of the superstars that make it. Now, in the NBA draft that happened, the All-Star Selection Draft, that happened on Thursday, LeBron chooses Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Luka Doncic. Now, Giannis pretty much sticks with the East players with Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kimball Walker, and Trey Young. So, I ask, was there any method to the selection process, especially with LeBron having such an overwhelming team? I don't think there was a, a certain type of method with this. Both LeBron and Giannis just picking whoever they wanted. It's really hard to say whether there was a, anything really to this. They just picked whoever was available. But Giannis, of course, he did mention that he wanted somebody who could pass the ball. That's why he didn't pick James Harden. And then, of course, I guess Russell Westbrook, which there's been a lot of disrespect put on their name. And they need to put some respect on their name. But... Um, I don't think there was too much of a method for these selections. I just think that they were just picking whoever was listed. It looks like it was pretty much just East versus West because because all of the players that LeBron has starting are all from the Western Conference as the same as when it comes to Giannis in the Western Conference. It seems absolutely lopsided. I guess the only reason why you can say Giannis didn't pick Kawhi, which is the most obvious second choice, is because he got beat by him last year going to win the championship. So he may have a little beef there about not picking up Kawhi. LeBron's smart. He's going to pick up the best player. Then he said he wanted somebody who can pass. when he So he clearly didn't want to uh, choose James Harden. But he could have definitely chose Luka Doncic. I could have seen that as a great matchup. So uh, a method to the selection, yes, on LeBron's side. When it came to Giannis, I think he just was about being faithful to the East versus West kind of idea he was brought up around. I guess. I have no idea what he was thinking. 
And I don't think there's really any type of rivalry between him and Kawhi Leonard. He might have just thought he might load manage in the All-Star game. So we, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So he's all about the uh, good workers. I, like, it just doesn't – it seems extremely lopsided. Like, I'm picking James Harden over Kemba. I'm, I'm choosing Kawhi over Kemba. I'm choosing – you couldn't have chose Anthony Davis over him, but Luka, I'm choosing him over Kemba. And Kemba's he's a great star. But I'm also choosing those other players over Trey Young. And I'm also choosing those same three players over Pascal Siakam and also when it comes to Joel Embiid. So it looks like everybody on Giannis's team, there's nobody on LeBron's team I would pick below them. It, he just took the underrated people. The overlooked stars. That's what that's who he took. Okay, it's the monsters versus the Looney Tunes. That's what it looks like to me. But um, who won in the and, end? You're right. You're right. You're right. The uh, Looney Tunes did win, and I guess it's it was in an, an exhibition game, just like this would be. So there's a, there is a possibility they win due to hard work because they actually want to win. It is possible that these monsters may take it easy and end up losing so you're right you're very right it may stick to that thing yeah i mean I, this is what i would like to see in the second space jam the monsters the, the new monsters versus the new looney tunes but um that's getting way off topic yeah yeah way off topic but your idea did fit so uh, i asked uh would there be any real bragging rights for the winners winning team or does this doesn't really matter. In today's league, most of the regular season doesn't even matter. So why would the All-Star game matter? So, I mean, I, I guess you can add it to your accolades just saying, let, let's say you win All-Star MVP. I guess that matters in the end. But other than that, it really doesn't matter who wins. I, I don't think it's ever mattered, really. It used to matter. It definitely mattered in the 80s and the 90s. And probably even in the uh, 70s, but I'm not even really sure whether they had an all-star game back that uh, far back. I think that might have started to exist in the 80s. I'm really not sure. But uh, I would say it used to matter, and it it doesn't really matter at all right now. Um, maybe with the new format, that's what they're trying to establish, uh, some type of bragging rights to it. Uh, that is best against best. That's the idea behind an all-star game. Uh, but overall, they, it really doesn't matter. I think they'll try to split the wins uh, for the charities. And on because if you're not uh, anybody's not familiar with the new rules, uh, each quarter will be like a separate game. But when it comes to the fourth quarter, all those points will add up. And pretty much the winning team going into the fourth quarter will just need to score 24 points and they can win. And the losing team has to make up the time, the difference between what they were losing plus 24 to win uh, the fourth quarter. It's supposed to be about being competitive, but uh, it really isn't much for bragging. No, and that's just way too much to follow. Just play the game. I don't think too many people care. <laughs> yeah, because we've already complained about the new rules. But um, so as you mentioned about the MVP, who do you feel will win the MVP of the All-Star game? I think it's going to be one of these young and up and coming stars who just got one of their first few uh, all star selections and they want to break out and have their name put out there more. Uh, this is the time to do that. 
most of the older all stars they don't really care that much. I mean, they're just there to have fun. They've been to a lot of them, but I could see maybe Luka Doncic or I'm trying to think of us. Maybe Trey Young. He'll he'll go out there and score a whole bunch. Maybe I'm not sure, but I think it'll be one of the young stars who will be the MVP for the All Star game. I like that idea. I like that idea, but I do think that two people might be a problem for this. And it is one is actually both of them is about their mood, how they're going to take it in this game. And I would say the biggest competition for specifically your choices, Luca and Trey, because I do believe in that uh, you it's going to be James Harden or LeBron. LeBron wouldn't mind adding on another MVP of the all-star game just proves that he's the best. And then James Harden, I can see him just saying, I'm going to go off uh, among the best and show that I'm the best. But it really depends on their mood. Uh, I mean, I guess. When's the last time LeBron won an uh, all-star game MVP? I'm really not sure, but I know he knows his days are numbered. So why don't you put up what you want to, when you want to, especially when this is the one that's for Le- for Kobe. Maybe they are actually competitive this time. Seems like a waste of time to me. I mean, really going through it in the finals. <laughs> true. Very true. And I, I know that is generally his eye, his his mindset. But I just think there's been a couple of different elements to this year specifically that uh, it's just going to build towards him maybe wanting to reestablish his dominance uh, and especially do it against the stars on stars night when he's supposed to be the best player out there. Um, so. He's in the seventeenth year. Seventeenth year, uh, you have that whole title of Wash King going on uh, with LeBron. The the big fact that Kobe just died, and he's very close. He's also on the team. He couldn't have been even closer at the uh, perfect time to Kobe in his life. So uh, it it just seems like it could be the one he actually takes seriously. I don't know about that. Um... After the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, people were thinking that, oh, yeah, he's going to go off. He's going to score a whole bunch of points. But his game actually got a little bit worse because it was a a personal thing to him with Kobe dying and and a lot of people. But he actually knew Kobe. So it's really hard to see him actually going out and trying to get this MVP for really a pointless game. I I, I guess. But it's in the house that Jordan built. It's in Chicago. So it's it's just enough. It's there's enough there that it's it's in his mood wise he could win it. But I'm with you actually. If I'm gonna put somebody stamp it down, it's gonna be Luca. Yeah, Luca, Trey Young, one of these young stars. I'm not sure. I don't even think Maybe Brandon Ingram. Ingram. No, that's not happening. But <laughs> <laughs> you'll be lucky. No, no, not at all. It's gonna be one of these starters, and I really think. Like, it could be some magical out of nowhere. Pass out Siakam. He treated it like it's a, a official game, and he go out here being dominant. Some sneak stuff. But um, I, I don't think that Trey Young's going to have enough to make him the all-star winner, uh, MVP winner. And I think Luka just is going to be dazzling. He's a young LeBron, so I, and he shoots better than LeBron. So that's that's why – I just put him as that person if it's not going to be LeBron or James Harden. Sounds like you're biased. Biased to all three of those players or just like what do you mean? Just Luka Doncic. That's what I mean. I guess so you're kind of maybe I can make your statement for you, but I'm not maybe I'm not. 
at, are you thinking that I took the sides? You know how they got traded for each other, Atlanta and Dallas. Did I take the Luca side? No, I wasn't thinking of that at all. But okay, okay. I was just thinking that you was biased just for him. <laughs> oh well, no, I, yeah, I guess, but I just think he shows it. So I, I just don't think like talent for talent. I'm taking Luca. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but oh, in the end, it doesn't matter. <laughs> which one you would take? If you oh, had which one would I take? Between um, Luca and Trey Young. At this point, I would take Luka Doncic, but, I mean, you never know in the future. I, okay. So you're hedging your bets. Okay. So we'll just move on. <laughs> um, so we're going to go into the NBA trade deadline, which is very big for these teams out here and wanting to be in the race for possibly winning the championship, even though the biggest contenders did not make very big moves. So the trade deadline ended Thursday, February 6th. And a lot of big moves that will change teams going forward, uh, like the Equidala trade, where it was in a hunt for him being in L.A., either at the Clippers or the Lakers, and ends up landing in Miami with the Heat to join Jimmy Butler down south. Now, another big trade was D'Angelo Russell being traded from the Warriors, where he's kind of been in purgatory on a bad team, traded to Minnesota uh, Wolves for Andrew Wiggins, a first-rounder in the 2021 draft and a second-rounder rounder pick in the draft of 2022. Other big moves, two other ones, was the Marcus Morris move to the Clippers, which was pretty big with Isaiah Thomas, but they've already decided they will not be keeping Isaiah Thomas. And then you also have Andre Drummond move to the Cavaliers from Detroit. So, who's the big winners and who's the big losers over this past trade deadline? I would say that the Clippers are probably the biggest winner because they do get uh, a pretty good veteran at this point, I would say. He's a 3 and D guy. He can shoot threes and play defense. And they already have a whole bunch of defenders on their team. Um, and this just adds to their bench. Because I don't really see him as a starter, even though he could slide in there. But it's, he's probably not going to start. But that helps when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, also, the Heat. Who who did they get? I, I can't remember. They got Eagle Dollar. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. They got Eagle Dollar, yes. And that helps them in the East. And they were already doing well with the current team that they had before Eagle Dollar. And Eagle Dollar adds that uh, veteran presence in the locker room along with well, championship experience. Yeah. So uh, I would say the Heat and the Clippers, they did the best in this. Uh, the Rockets, they're in the middle. They got rid of, uh, what's his name, um, Clint Capella, which doesn't seem like the greatest move right now, but hopefully that works out for him. I'm not sure, the small ball thing. Um, and I guess the worst one at this point is – Probably the Lakers, uh, because they really didn't get anybody. Um, they were really trying to get Eagle Dollar and uh, Markeith Morris, but they couldn't get either one. And they really wanted to get rid of Kuzma, even though I, I think it's that's that's probably a mistake. I'm not sure, but I think they should keep him. But I said the Lakers, 
and the Warriors are the losers of this one, and the Clippers and the Heat are the biggest winners. Yeah, okay. I can agree with some of that there. Um, I did forget to mention that Trey Young did get Capella, which I think is going to be very great uh, for their team. So I think that's a win specifically for Trey Young. There needed to be some kind of change-up. There's some more moves that needed to be made to their team, but I think that's a good base. I think Compella does not need to be in a immediate championship position. Like, he's he may be a few years from his full um, potential, not to get too far into that one. But when it comes to the biggest winners and the biggest losers, uh, definitely the Clippers are far up there on winning uh, in this situation. But I think... Carl Anthony Towns won the most because he got his best friend and he got a great player, which they can actually build something off of. Andrew Wiggins right now is a simple project. He needs to be a bench player. At best, he will be a great six man, and that's probably the best for his career. Um, so, and they gave up some picks, so it looks like the Warriors are going to be able to retool. Um, like they're just going to be generally a great franchise, uh, and may need to look out for them when it comes to next year. But uh biggest winner is, I, I would say it's the Heat. The, the Heat got that veteran presence. They have already been doing very good. And now you have young on top of veteran players who are there in the clutch moments to battle Giannis. And I'm, if anything, I'm really afraid. I would be afraid of uh, uh, the Heat. If people were uh, which are in the East, at least now the West, of course, the Clippers uh, tooled up with Marcus Morris, which really does make me worry when it comes to the Lakers. So uh, I think Andre, Andrew Drummond was really the loser, though. He was the biggest loser because him by himself. <laughs> him, yes, him by himself. Yes, was the biggest loser because it caught him completely off guard. He even tweeted out that there's uh, you can't trust nobody. Or, or you can't trust no, it's something like that. It was some kind of slang up for he can't trust anybody. But when he, he was referring to the franchise of the Detroit Pistons, even though Detroit is a bad team, well, it's not a bad team. It's an average team, and it generally doesn't win a lot, even in the East. It was better than going to the Cavs. It, it's better than living in Cleveland as you are living in Detroit. Those are two different cities. To, even though one may you may feel is a little bit worse than the other when it comes to crime. But anyway, he was probably making a sandwich for his kids. I don't know if he has kids. And he was doing something normal, thinking, and you know what? I'm completely safe from this trade deadline. And then out of nowhere, smack out of nowhere, I got to go uh, take a plane to go to Cleveland. And within probably the next two, three days, if not less, to go play for a team that I really don't want to play for. Yeah, I guess he is the biggest loser in this uh, when it comes to just individuals. Um, it's a terrible place to be. The team sucks, and you're you're on an even worse team, and you're in the cold. Uh, not that you weren't already in the cold with Detroit, but it's just worse. Yeah, it's worse. It's, it was like the only move that could have been worse. I really think that really is the only other worst choice. Maybe Phoenix, but that really that has some promise there at least. Um, but um, <laughs> moving on, along, who has the biggest chance of making an NBA Finals with their new team, D'Angelo Russell or Andrew Wiggins? I would say Andrew Wiggins, mainly mm-hmm. because that team has already been to a uh, championship and they've had that championship pedigree and experience. 
Uh, all he has to do is just not mess it up. Just be that, I guess, that supporting player that propels the team and that, and that doesn't bring them down. Uh, with Carl uh, Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, they have, I, I guess, some potential to do that. But just because you're friends doesn't mean you're going to succeed. And they haven't succeeded at all since Carl Anthony Towns has been on the team. They made the playoffs one time. That was with Jimmy Butler being on the team. But it's it's hard to say that they're even going to go anywhere with those two pairing together. And I I really agree here. What's crazy is they got real happy. and They, they broke a six-game losing streak once they actually acquired D'Angelo Russell. I don't know how much that's going to be worth in the long run, but out of nowhere they beat the Clippers by 30 points the day after they got D'Angelo Russell. He's simply sitting on the bench, was not even playing, and they won by 30 points. That might just be happiness, uh, some some hope in the air. Uh, so, But I, I completely agree. It's going to be uh, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins needs to focus on being a great six-man. He needs to be focused on being a young Iguodala. Who cares if you can throw up offense now when you're on Golden State? You need to demand some defense. And if he does that, he's done his job. So I, I, I simply agree. I could see Andrew Wiggins getting there before and D'Angelo Russell because slightly, I think eventually it's going to turn into a stat padding uh, type of situation for both of them. And just like you said, just because your friends don't mean you're going to succeed because I actually think that's what's going to happen uh, with the Nets, with KD and Kyrie. But that's a story for a different day. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, they both have their mood swings. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll move it on. So with the addition of Andre Iguodala, does that make the Heat strong enough to win the Eastern Conference? I would say yes. Um, it, it really does. Because right now, they're like three or four in the East. Um, and that was without Andre Iguodala. And he doesn't have to start. He can just come off the bench play, I'd say, maybe 15 minutes a game and be that that uh, veteran presence in the locker room. And the Heat already are a well-run organization. And I think this is just going to propel them to being a championship contender in the East. Now, of course, I don't think they're going to actually win it, but um, actually win the whole NBA championship. But they could definitely come out, come out the East with Andre Iguodala. He can give you those last-minute uh, defensive stoppers at the end of a game, let's say against Giannis in the East or the 76ers uh, with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons or trying to think what other big men in the East. But whoever it is, he can lock them down. I agree. I agree. This does not leave it as a solely Jimmy Butler and whatever youngster out there to stop Giannis, which is – Kind of going to be hard because you can kind of do two things. You can shut down the lane, shut down Giannis and make everybody else beat you, or you can stop everybody else and let Giannis go off. Uh, it depends on which poison you take, but there is a formula to beating Giannis in the playoffs. In this case, it helps a whole lot that he can. It's not just Jimmy Butler putting down that defense, which then takes away effort when it comes to the offense. Equidala can come up with enough great plays at great moments and veteran knowledge to actually propel them further than they should be, I guess, by themselves. Because they've they've been lingering around the two spot, 
uh, sorry, lingering around the three and the four spot for a good while now. They have not been at the bottom of this pile. So they are simple. They are completely competitors. And Iguodala has gotten to sit for half a year. He's been actually getting paid and now has signed a big deal, which they do. They should expect a lot out of him for at least those two years. Yeah, they the Heat can definitely compete at this point. Um, they are now in the I, I would say they're, they're out of the rebuilding phase post LeBron. Yeah, and I'm not even sure that took what one, two, three, four, about five years. This is the fifth year. That's not too bad because uh, the three years he was at Cleveland, the one his year he's already been at the Lakers, and this is the second year, which would make the fifth year for the Heat. Well, yeah, I mean, they they weren't a championship contender in those five years, but they did make the playoffs. Yeah, but they, nobody really thought they would make it to the uh, end of the East because, of course, LeBron was going to be there. You didn't even think they were number two in the East at that time. Uh, but uh, that was a whole lot of time with the Raptors, and they finally got their championship last year. Uh, great managing. But we'll, we'll move it along uh, to actual the West, and we're going to check up on Zion Williamson. Now, through eight games, Zion has put up some really great numbers. Uh, just to go through four stats, in six games, he has had at least 20 points. He has two double-doubles, which means you have to have minimum 10 points and 10 rebounds within that game. He's shot over 50% in seven of those eight games, and he has four straight 20-point games, most for a rookie this year. So, since Zion is doing so well so far, are you ready to say Zion is uh, surpassing expectations? No, I would not say he's surpassing expectations. I feel like he is meeting those expectations because he had a lot of hype coming out of high school and college and people were just ready to see him play. And now that he is on the court, they'll finally see this come to fruition and he's playing well and it can only go up from here. I really like what I see. He's averaging around 20 points per game. Um, I think around seven, eight rebounds a game, a couple assists per game. So he's doing pretty well. He is worth all of the hype that he, that he garnered while he was in high school and college. The only thing is the injuries. That's the only thing that will hold him back at this point. Yeah, I, I can agree there. He, that he is meeting expectations. He's not surpassing expectations. That is one reason why I kind of proposed this question, because just wanted to see where your level is on the Zion meter uh, right now. He is putting up really great numbers. Uh, if you're putting up at least 20, somewhere around 20 and 10 sometimes, most times, and getting a couple blocks, you're worth the uh, the ticket, especially with the way he dunks and things like that. Um you saw how he simply snatched the ball out of Giannis's hand uh, when Giannis versus uh, the Pelicans. Well, sorry, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Pelicans, which is also Giannis versus Zion, uh, happened only about a week, week or so ago. Um, so, yeah, I would say he's meeting expectations. He's not surpassing him. Uh, LeBron did surpass his hype during that time just to check in on the uh, LeBron to Zion meter of hype. Uh, but he is definitely worth the ticket. Yeah, he's worth the ticket, and I want to see him play. <laughs> okay, so do you see Zion's influence pushing the Pelicans to make the playoffs this year? And if so, is it is it what is best for the team's future? 
Um, I think we had answered this question before, but no, I don't think they're going to go to the playoffs and it's not best for their future because he needs to be gradually put into the situation, not to the point where he's going straight into <clears throat> straight into the playoffs and playing against playoff caliber teams all the time. He needs to be eased into this. He still is missing a couple of games here and there. He still needs a full off season of just playing without any injuries. So it's it'll be bad for the team if he does make the playoffs. But great for the storylines and great for the NBA, but not great for him personally. Okay, so you of course have to check in because he's done a lot. He's at least pushed them. His influence is pretty big right now to this team. Uh, the team was already on an upswing. And I, I actually do agree. I completely agree. This is not what's best for his future because his first matchups in the playoffs are going to have to be against either the Lakers because let's say he is the eighth spot. That's, that's going to be against the Lakers. If you get the seventh spot, you're going against the Clippers for your first playoffs. Even if you magically somehow got the six spots, which they are not likely to get, let's say you get the six spot. The sixth spot you're going against like the Nuggets or somebody or the Rockets or somebody who is going to beat you down. But I guess we do have to take off the kid gloves on him. He is a bulldozer and we're we're trying to put kid gloves on him. I think we have to let him go loose. Like just l- let it happen. Just let it happen. Let his career happen. And maybe what is best for the team is that they have that amount of hope in it and faith in him. Other than that, they do need to rest him. Yeah, but they they try not to get him injured. Um, he's already been injured and missing games here and there. So letting him loose, I mean, it'll be great for the NBA. It'll be great to see all those highlights and all that, but it, it's not best for him in his future. Yeah. So how likely is Zion to win Rookie of the Year over John Morant with this great start to his career how likely i say is highly unlikely because he's just going to come in half of the season and perform i mean that's great and all but you miss half the season so that kind of disqualifies you and john morant he's already been playing well and at this point he has his team in the eighth spot and that's very good um the grizzlies they were terrible last year and for the last few years and they were nowhere near the playoffs and for him to come in and have that type of impact. There's no way that he should win the uh, rookie of the year over John Morant. Well, I think it's being at least going to be a toss up because Zion is box office. I know John, John Morant will become box office. People are going to be more and more inclined to pay attention to John Morant as it has been happening this year. Um, well, it is his first year, but it's something about Zion's influence on this team that may get him that rookie of the year. When he's blocking, he has the most iconic moments. It's going to at least make it a flip of a coin. I think it's going to be somewhere near 50-50 on this one. So I do think he had a very big chance just the way he has started off. And if he continues what he's doing, if he keeps getting at least 20-point games, hitting three-pointers and doing all these other things, it will be, be very hard not to give Zion the, the rookie of the year 
after most people already thought he was going to be the rookie of the year. Of course, my my vote was John Morant in the beginning, just to note, though. Mine was Zion Williamson, but the only way that he gets it is if he gets into the playoffs, and John Morant doesn't. That's the only way. So it's going to be come down to who's getting their team into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that that has to be. <laughs> I guess, yeah, because yeah, I'm not sure exactly when they take the vote, but I know it is after the uh, regular season has ended. But uh, we'll move on to the next subject, which is, which is Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook joined only two other great players, which is LeBron James and Oscar Robinson. They are the only players to record 20,000 points, seven assists, and 6,000 rebounds in their career. One of only three. He has now joined the party. But over Russell Westbrook's career, has he been overrated or underrated as a player? I think you have to pick and choose points in his career to see where he was underrated and overrated. He probably was underrated whenever he first came in and um, did very well with the uh, with, with Kevin Durant and um, James Harden. But there's also the point where he was probably overrated a couple of times when it came to, I, I guess, years? well, maybe just the, the first one, because the, the, the team... They only made it to the sixth spot, and he was taking a whole bunch of shots. Didn't shoot the best, even though he's never shot the best. And so you're kind of in the middle of the the pack here on this one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to pick and choose parts in his career. You you can't. It's really just no. It's not just one way or the other. It's not overrated or underrated. And I feel like currently now he is underrated. Because people overlook the whole triple-double thing. Oh, it doesn't lead to wins and all that stuff. But he has definitely changed his game to fit other players and uplift other players. And that's where people have just shot away from picking him in certain things. And he's still being successful in what he's doing now. I can agree to that. Um, I, I, thought, I, I propose this question because it is a hard question. It's a hard question whether you have if you have to choose one side. Like, is he overrated or is he underrated? Because that would mean if he's overrated, that means he's less than. If he's underrated, he's actually above that. And he's like a fine line. There's there's like a small fine line, and you're really not sure where to place it. So you, I I agree to the you got to pick and choose. But the question is over his career. So I kind of will choose one or the other. Um, I'll say overall he may be overrated. Uh, I would hate to say that, but it's it's, it's so hard of a line on this one because I can't say that he's underrated. I really can't uh, because if he's underrated, then that means he's just spectacular and nobody really sees his worth. That's not true. It's really hard. I'm not going to say that I'm really trying to be against him in any way by choosing that he's overrated, but it got diminished as he kept getting triple doubles. Uh, and knowing in a lot of times he's specifically trying to do that, even down to one of the past games where he didn't get a triple double or was that 
Yeah, that was um, uh, Russell Westbrook. He wasn't going to get a triple-double, or maybe it was James Harden. Sorry about that. It might have been James Harden, who did not get a rebound over uh, Austin Rivers. And he figured, he was like, oh, my God, I didn't mean to do that to you. So I'll say he's overrated in that he does pat his stats uh, quite a bit here and there. And it's not really worth much when it comes to the playoffs. I think he is underrated currently, but there's there's some spots that you can pick and choose in his career where he was probably overrated. Well, yeah, we're here and there on that one. It it was a hard question there. So how much is this record worth if Russell Westbrook never wins a championship? Uh, I mean, it's worth putting him in the Hall of Fame. Um, It's actually probably not too hard to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame. There's only a few players here and there that haven't made it, that have uh, done well in their career. But it warrants him being put into the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm not sure we put him in top players all time, but it warrants him being in the Hall of Fame for basketball. I don't think he makes the top 50. Uh, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> he makes the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But I just wanted to see where you felt about that. Like, because the way I think about it, I I can think that there's 50 other players. If he does not get a championship, there's 50 other players that would be above him. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, but I feel like if he had played during, let's say, the 2000s or the 90s, he would definitely be looked at as a better player. Yeah, they, with many other circumstances, a lot of other people would have dominated, especially if they played during like Wilt Chamberlain and other years. But you can't, you can't play it like that. He's in this era. He was born when he was born. And if I'm saying how much is this record worth? It's, it's actually, I would, I would agree, it is worth getting him into the Hall of Fame, but it's barely. It because that record is going to be barely. everything. No, yeah, <laughs> barely. Because that's going to be the only thing that, uh, like, he's going to have to submit himself on. If he does not win a championship, this is what he would have to submit himself on. Is that in his MVP? I think he was in the Hall of Fame before that record. Yeah, you did say it's not that hard to get into the NBA Hall of Fame. But I'm saying without a championship, he's he should be. I guess it, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm thinking more like the NFL Hall of Fame, how it should be a barely situation. But you're right. It is a little bit easier to get into the NBA Hall of Fame. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like, without a championship, that kind of becomes the only, the best thing about his career. Just like I feel the best thing about Kevin Durant's career is going to be the championships he got with the Warriors. I mean, but he won a championship, so, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. But I, I, I just feel like Russell Westbrook, he was going to get in the Hall of Fame even before that record. Okay. I, 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 I can't really argue uh, too much against that because I, I still think there's a lot of fine lines between it. Like, he can shift that. He can shift himself a whole lot higher in that list by doing some things uh, in the rest of his career here. Which he is, he's possible of doing, especially since they changed the chemistry of the Rockets by getting rid of Capella and their tallest uh, player um, now is I think at least six four, maybe six five. Um, and they have a shorter person playing center, but they're playing a different type of basketball. Um, but I'll move it along to the first week of the XFL. Now. This is the Extreme Football League. We've covered it previously, and it is filling in the gap between 
the time that you do not have the NFL. It's starting, of course, the week right after the Super Bowl in the NFL. Now, to give you a rundown of the scores and the teams, because there's only eight teams in this league, but the Seattle Sea Dragons versus the D.C. Defenders was our first game of the XFL, where the D.C. Defenders came out 31 to 19. Then we have the L.A. Wildcats versus the Houston Roughnecks, where the Roughnecks came out 37 to 17. And then we also have the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the New York uh, Guardians. The Guardians came out 23 to 3 versus the Vipers. And then we have the Battle Hawks versus the Dallas Renegades. The Renegades lost where the Battle Hawks won 15 to 9. Of course, you're really not going to know these teams or these nicknames on, on these teams just yet, as this is the first week of the XFL. But if you did tune in, you might have found it to be a little exciting. But I'll go ahead and ask, did the XFL the XFL's first week leave you thinking it it's here to stay or is it doomed to be short lived? I think it's here to stay only if they have enough money. That's the only shortcoming. I feel like this league has a lot of potential. It's very from what I can tell, pretty exciting. You just have to get to know the players and there just has to be some hype around it. They're doing a very good job of presenting it. Um, there's a lot of transparency with the coaching and the refs. Like they, they actually broadcast what the coaches are saying and what the refs are saying during um, a, a penalty. So it, it creates a lot of transparency. So nobody's confused or just like, oh, I can't believe they called that or whatever. Like it's, it's very clear and it's a lot of excitement. So I, I say the only thing that gets in the way of them succeeding is the money. That's the only thing. Yeah, um, I can agree. Um, so when I saw the first game alone, it was it was quite exciting because it's a it is a lot of scoring and it doesn't seem like too much scoring. It's not really outside the scores that would have happened in a normal NFL game. But, but like it's something about it did make it fast paced. And there's interceptions, there's uh, great runs, there's uh, trick plays. Of course, just like regular NFL football, but something about it made it a little bit more competitive. Like the fact that you can line up uh, at three different spot, spots to get one point, two point, or three points. So it changes the math even to uh, football on what you can get and what you can't get. Just from viewing it, it was quite exciting, even though – and I, I kind of chose which team I wanted to rock with already. And maybe that's just uh, wanting to go ahead and establish a fandom that's with one team. I do need to cover a little bit more of these games. But right now I'm riding with those D.C. defenders as they were really good in that first game. And I really liked seeing them play. Yeah, I, I don't really know who to root for at this point. I, I'm just watching back and trying to enjoy it. I do like the way they do the kickoff because it has both teams besides the kicker and the receiver, like all lined up, I think maybe five yards in between each other. And then the person who receives the ball, they run out that way. It decreases on uh, concussions um, because that's where most of the concussions come from is people running downhill and fast and all that on the kickoffs. So, they a lot of planning went into this league, and I feel like this league has a lot of potential to succeed. 
Yeah, I, I do think it, it does have the ability to succeed, especially since we're slotted. It is slotted exactly after the Super Bowl, and it begins at least only only one week before the NFL draft starts. So it's that perfect slot for college players to build their stock, former players to be in the league and actually show them what they can do um, and get back into the league, make a name for themselves, along with uh, just people. Even the modern, the person who's in that city who just wanted to get back into football and just so happened to be in great shape to actually do it. Um, so I, I do like that. I, I like a, a couple of different things uh, with this uh, league, even where they were showing highlights of the NFL. Because my first thought was, are they licensed to do this? Are you licensed to put the NFL highlights up on your uh, broadcast? But I, I guess so. Uh, hopefully they they've covered their butt on that. Um, but like I saw a person, it was one player who had a run back and then they played a highlight of him doing a run back, uh, a kickoff run back in the NFL, which just kind of it kind of made it easy to connect the dots on somebody I might have known or remember that play. Yeah, um, but also dealing with uh, like licensing the TV deals and the NFL, well, the, the, the networks and the NFL, they have some type of partnership where they can show their stuff multiple times. Um, that's where there's probably the, uh, the connection there. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and ask, uh, where, were there, were there any rule changes or players that stuck out to you the most? Uh, not exactly. I, I can't really remember all of the players. <laughs> um, it, it was just pretty exciting. I really, nobody stuck out to me. I'm just going to have to wait a couple of weeks to really get to know everybody. There are a couple of past players that I do remember, like Cardell Jones. I remember him playing for Ohio state. I think Aaron Murray, I can't remember what team he played for. It might've been Auburn, but there's been, a, a lot of good plays, but nobody, no one single player really stuck out to me. Yeah. So I was saying rule changes too. So you did point out the kickoff uh, before. So that might have uh, really pointed out to you. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. The, yeah. the kickoff definitely. Yeah. So I, I, like I said before, I really like the 1.2.3 points after AU score a touchdown. You have the possibility of more. You can throw a whole lot more until the, uh, equation of the playbook. Um, it was something else about uh, the the. I, I can't even remember right now about that game. Okay, sorry about that. It was really good football. Like it was actually looked like these players were in shape. Some of the quarterbacks were throwing dimes. They were playing. They were throwing great passes. They were great catches. They were unique plays. So overall, like you said, there was a lot of clarity and. I, loved the way the players actually played because it just really didn't resemble the old XFL. It seemed like everybody was up to par versus some people being up to par. Yeah, they they want to take this very seriously this time around. They even got old coaches um, who have had NFL experience and it, they want this to succeed at the highest level. It's the supp supplemental league and even without that, if if NFL players really wanted to, they can pick up some extra money. 
because it actually leaves time from let's say you got you didn't even make the playoffs or you got bumped out in the first round and now you're in the off season. This is the off season. Let's say you don't have specifically a great contract or whatever. You can make extra money and show out in the XFL and possibly get you more money uh, by the time the NFL season starts. Well, I'm not sure how their free agency works, but that's a pretty good positive. Because well, it won't, they don't coincide at all. The, the seasons don't overlap. You, and a lot of times a player like that is going, it's, they're not have just been in the Super Bowl. They're not about to play in the next uh, league. That's somebody who might not have even made the playoffs or is known at all. But they, these two leagues do have rules. So there's a lot more than just, I just want to I feel like play. you can play in both. I feel like if you make the team, you can play in both. Maybe, but it's more than just I just want to play. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, there's there's contract negotiations. Um, the XFL did did have a draft, and I'm not sure how their free agency works. I don't. I I think it's like a right now they're on a more of a temporary uh, base for that. Like, I think it's. Uh, a little bit more like you get selected each year. It's not like a it's probably like you can retain them, but it's very likely you lose them to the NFL if they were good. So I, I think it's more of like a pick it up each year type of thing, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I'll move on. Uh, since since the active players on the winning team split $100,000 per game, is this the system is this system built to last since a true star player may start to emerge. I think this is, I I say, yes, this can succeed because it, it, this depends because a lot of people point out with the NFL, the NFL is the only league where a positional player gets paid more or like they they get paid differently than like let's say the NBA. If you are the best at your position, then you get paid as one of the best players in the league. It doesn't matter what position you play in the NBA. And I feel like that's where the XFL is going to go. But as far as like splitting everybody get the same amount, um oh no, it's not that everybody gets 100,000. It's that everybody splits it evenly. Uh, all the active players on the winning team split $100,000. So down to the kicker, down to the offensive lineman, everybody splits it evenly if you're active that day. Okay, well. Um, Even if you sit on the bench. Okay, but <laughs> that does create some difficulty there, but I feel like it's going to take more of the NBA approach as it gets more popular. Um, if you are one of the better players, you will get paid more just because you are better. But it won't matter what position you play. Everybody will get around the same amount. Okay. So, I, yeah, right now, since it's built like that, it, that system will have to change. So I don't think that system of splitting the money, it works for now. It works perfectly for now because it does not say that you're more important than any other player. But at some point, a player will be more important than the other players. That's how sports happen. Uh, the st- stars raise to the top the cream rise to the top and when those that great receiver or that great uh quarterback out there is 
saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to leave or I'm not going to play unless y'all give me more money, then it's going to have to happen. And they're going to have to change it where different people get different amounts of money. Uh, but right now, I guess it does work if they $100,000. I just would be on some, uh, we got to cut this roster down. Yeah, I agree. Um, it works for them now, but I think it'll take more of the NBA approach where it doesn't matter what position you play. Yeah, uh, so it's everybody. Everybody gets the same thing. It, that's only going to work for, but for so long. Uh, people really just don't value the offensive alignment as much as they uh, value the quarterback or the wide receiver, even a great running back. Um, but uh, we'll move on to the next sport, which is the USC. We don't really cover a whole lot, but this, this is a great big fight with John Bones Jones facing Dominic Reyes. Now, Do- John Bones won via a unanimous decision over Dominic Reyes, and it has marked John Jones' 14th title fight that he's won, a record. And he has had some problems with not actually being able to go through with some fights before due to performance-enhancing drugs being tested. So, and testing positive, obviously, here, but... What was the best part of this actual fight? The best part? Um, (laughs) uh, It's hard to say. It it was a pretty even match, but I felt like they went in the wrong wrong decision, the the, the wrong winner. Uh, I, I felt like Reyes, he had more significant hits. He actually knocked down John's Bones Jones a, a good amount of times, and it just looked like he overall performed better. But um, I, I feel like John's bone, John bone, John bones, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an alliteration. But, it is. <laughs> but I, I feel like his history and his past, as far as like being one of the top players that got him that, that victory. And it wasn't completely deserved. I, I feel like, they should have gone in Reyes direction as far as being the winner. Uh, but it, it was a pretty good, evenly, evenly fought match. Yeah, I, I felt it was just right down the middle, pretty much even best parts were maybe like here and there. Some hits like Reyes got a really great uppercut on John Bone Jones. John Bone Jones has had other great fights and other great knockouts, but this was overall a over above average fight not anything too impressive to want to go talk about and nothing too underwhelming that you felt you got cheated of your money uh so i I would say it's right there and uh, i agree that uh dominic probably should have won but it's i think it's a game of big names especially when it comes to the UFC also, that they really want their bigger names to not lose so they can bring in more attention and more fans. And if it comes close in any fights like that, they choose the big name over the, over the new competitor or new or named to the public competitor. Yeah, John's Bones Jones, he has a great record um, besides the performance-enhancing drugs thing. He is basically one of the top competitors in the UFC and nobody would like to see him lose, at least not at this point. 
Yeah, and if you like to see really great knockouts, I would recommend anyone going to YouTube and Googling some of his knockouts. Like, he's had, like, five-second knockouts. Like, the whole fight was five seconds. Like, he really didn't – I'll just say one fight, and, yeah, I'm not exactly sure which one he was going against because this fight happened that quick. But the guy uh, swinging him, swinging him, he really didn't – he didn't jab or nothing. He just dodged, dodged, dodged. And all within five seconds, sends the bottom of his foot into this man's face and knocks him out. Never swung, and that was the only attempt he took. That's how dangerous John Bones Jones had used to be, and he's more of a middle-of-the-pack uh, fighter who can still win the fights, but it's not going to be something like that now. Yeah, he is getting older. Um, UFC is a lot different than boxing, and you can't run forever. Yeah, I agree. Age, age is the ultimate winner. Uh, but with their, with size being equal in everything, weight and height, who would you take, John Bones Jones or McGregor? I'm taking John's Bone, John Bones Jones. Um, even if they're I, even in weight and height. Yep, I, I'm, I'm taking him. He, he's going to destroy McGregor because McGregor, he's all about. Talking. I mean, he he is a good fighter, but John's Bones Jones can teach him a lesson. He will destroy him, um, even even if he's not at his his uh, maximum prowess right now. I, I feel like John Bones Jones is just so much better than McGregor. It's it's not even funny. Agreed. Uh, I think both men are dangerous, but I would think John Bones Jones is dangerous in a different way. I think McGregor's more crazy, uh, crazy dangerous, and John Bones Jones is calculated dangerous. And I think calculated is always better than out of control, crazy dangerous. Uh, he he has skill. He knows his spots. He knows where he can go in. He knows what he can do. Um, he's just getting to the now where it's he's almost even with the player with the other uh, UFC fighters but he still can win due to his knowledge and ability size and all like being tall lanky uh, long length everything like that so he still uses those things to his advantage to win fights but it is a whole lot closer match than it used to be so yeah I would agree I would take John Bones Jones because he's probably he is one of my most favorite UFC fighters um and McGregor I wouldn't say he's about talk it is some quite dangerous ability about him if he had the side of John Bones Jones, but I just think that John Bones Jones is more skilled. Yeah, I have to agree with that. He he's much more skilled. He has a lot more. Um, I think he has a lot more moves in his repertoire. Like he's he knows how to get in and out of spaces and mm -hmm. get you down on the floor. Agreed. Uh, simply agree on that. Um, but we actually end that out uh, this week, and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Uh, we now go into the short part, which is our questions. Like always, you have uh, three questions that are all multiple choice. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I come try to answer them and get them right. Uh, so let's go ahead with that first question, Muhammad. All right. First question. In the 2000s, who was the first NBA player to record back-to-back 50-point -back games? A, Antoine Jameson, B, Vince Carter, or C, Chris Bosh? Oh, this is absolutely hard because I do not know on this one. Um, 
Chris Bosh, if you uh, just kind of give you a little bit of background, he was on the Miami Heat with LeBron and uh, D Wade. Uh, he has two championships with them. Uh, you also said who else on there? Um, Vince Carter and Vince Carter. Antoine Jameson. And we know who Vince Carter is. Uh, Antoine Dam- Jameson, that's just going to be harder for me to explain. But just to point out the people I could for you there. Uh, repeat the question and answer for him one more time, and I'm going to try to guess this one. In the 2000s, who was the first NBA player to record back-to-back 50-point games? A, Antoine Jameson, B, Vince Carter, or C, Chris Bosh? In the 2000s, gosh, gosh. And I'm stuck between, I don't think it's Vince Carter. I think it's between Antoine Jameson and Chris Bosh. And uh, I'm going to just go with Antoine Jameson. Final answer. That is correct. <laughs> uh, I, I had to pick the eyeball because I really didn't know the answer to this one. Um, but I was like, I don't think Bodge had that. If he had 50-point games, he didn't have back-to-back 50-point games. So that's the only logic I have behind that one. Uh, go ahead with the next question, Mama. Which NBA player in NBA history currently has the most career points? A, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. B, Carmelone or C Michael Jordan. Ah, so the most career points, right? Yeah, most career points. All okay, time. well, this makes it actually kind of easier because it's been recently uh, a even situation when it came to Kobe because the night before Kobe died, uh, LeBron passed him on the all-time list for points, um, and. I'm just a not a person out of that group. It's not going to be Jordan because Kobe passed Jordan and LeBron passed Kobe. So go ahead again with the uh, question and answer, and I'm pretty sure I'll get this one right. Which of the following NBA players currently has the most career points? A. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. B. Karl Malone. Or C. Michael Jordan. And like I said, I, it's, I'm knocking out uh, Michael Jordan out of that list because he's behind Kobe and LeBron is behind. It's uh, right above um, Kobe on that one. It's actually Karl Malone. It's, it's going to be uh, from da- uh, the Dallas, the Jazz. Sorry about that, the Jazz. Uh, Karl Malone, final answer. That's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong? It's Oscar Robinson? Is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem. I, I would think it was, but I felt like I saw him on the list. Was he number two? Uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Who's number two? It's Karl Malone. He's number two. That's what I'm saying. Karl Malone. Is he number no. two? Yeah, yeah, he's number two, but I said so. So I did see him on the list. I just saw it in the wrong person. Okay, as number one. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is number one. He, He's the next person. That is right. He's the next person that LeBron's supposed to be. Ah, I forgot about that. Sorry about that. Well, got that one wrong. I was pretty confident, though. (laughs) All right. Third question. Which of the following players is currently not in the Basketball Hall of Fame? A, Ray Allen, B, Chris Webber, or C, Grant Hill? I'm really not sure what the Grant Hill made it in yet. But uh, go ahead and repeat that question and answer. I'll answer it out here. Which of the following players is currently not in the Basketball Hall of Fame? A, Ray Allen, B, Chris Webber, or C, Grant Hill? Mm. 
I really think it's Chris Webber, but I'm not exactly sure. Mm, God. I'll just go with final answer, Chris Webber. That's correct. Um, he's still searching for that, that uh, Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, because I thought he said that during a broadcast and he was uh, looking for the call, but I really wasn't sure. I guess it isn't that hard. Uh, sorry, that easy to get into the NBA Hall of Fame if you ask Chris Webber. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think it's a snub. Due to the things he, had, he did in college? And I'm who's not he sure. Snub by? I mean... I I don't know. I mean, you would you put Grant Hill over Chris Webber? Mm, Grant Hill over Chris Webber? No. <laughs> but he's in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it is confusing. That's what I'm saying. Who is he getting snubbed by and why is he getting snubbed? I, I don't know. And just news that uh, just came up. Um, the Lakers are looking to um, expand all options to try to get Deion Waiters. Just had some late news. Is that really going to do anything? I, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I, and I'm not even sure why they're able to get him. Maybe he got released from Miami. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, we'll get you updated on that when it comes to the next episode. And we'll give you more action of the XFL and the other exciting things in sports. And this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.